Hi there, and thank you for tuning in to the following message provided by Renewed Church. We pray that this message will be a blessing and encouragement for you. For more information about our church, please visit www.renew.miami. All right, let me ask one more time. How's everybody doing today? Thank you. Thank you very much, Adriana. I got to get everybody else to come alive this morning. Let me help me out this morning. You, you got to engage with me in the service. How's everybody doing today? There we are. There we are. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I am so glad to be with you this morning. If you're a guest in the, in the service today, we're glad you're here. My name is Pastor Trevor and, and uh, just honored that you would uh, take time, come out to uh, church especially with rain, man. I heard rain pouring in on the way to church. So, so during the, the first service, I was thinking about you guys thinking, man, somebody's getting wet on their way to church this morning. But I'm glad that you're here this morning. We're starting a brand new sermon series. Today it's called Heroes versus Villains. And uh, everybody loves a hero, right? Anybody like heroes? Who loves heroes? Raise your hand if you love heroes. Not as many people love villains. It's not as popular, but I figured I would start the message series talking about your villains. But let's talk about heroes for a minute. Who are some of those heroes? There's, there's Thor. Who else is there? What, what other heroes do you guys know about? Anybody? Spider-Man. Spider Who else? Iron Man. Iron Man, man. Who else? Bible Superman. This guy said Bible man. That's, that's Pastor Michael. Mikey, he's heckling me. That's what he's doing. That's a heckle. That's not, that's not him being serious. He said Bible man. Uh, Black Panther, there's, there's, there's so many. And that's why Marvel is so popular. How much cooler is it, though, when, when they save the day? Like, it, Marvel is all about saving the day, and, and these are like superheroes in super ordinary daily life, right? But they get to save the day in a superhuman way. Like Peter Parker, Spider-Man, he's an average guy. In fact, he might be a little bit below average. But when he becomes Spider-Man, he can swing from buildings and stop evil will villains and save the world and get the girl. Like he does all of these amazing things. Next week, you don't want to miss it. Next week, we're going to be talking a little bit about this. Uh, we're going to be talking about our personal heroes. And I'm bringing someone that has personally impacted me and helped me to grow my faith. I'm, I'm bringing one of my personal heroes with me next week. And I, I want to encourage you to do the very same thing, to invite your personal hero to church next week. Somebody that, that maybe, it may not be somebody on, an, on the other side of the world or on the other side of the country if, if you're like, oh, but that's not my, my number one. But if you have like a top five, somebody that lives around that could come, invite them. It might be a teacher, a coach, a neighbor, a coworker. Invite your personal hero as we honor them and we say thank you. Does everybody get that? Everybody understand? Next week, personal heroes Sunday. So do that. But this week is promised... We start the series with a message entitled, My Greatest Villain, and he is here. He's here. He's actually in the building. Um, don't look around. I know you guys are thinking, who is it? Which one is the person that I don't recognize? Who's this person? Um, I, I'm actually, I didn't bring him out yet. He's actually in the office. Is, is he in the office, Mikey? He's in the office, okay. And, and we're going to bring him out in just a few minutes, but I wanted to introduce him without the pressure of him looking at me while I talked about him, like while he stared me down. You know what I'm saying, right? Like it, it's a little bit awkward and I don't want this to go, you know, get ugly from the very beginning. Don't get me wrong though, he knows all of the stuff already. He knows these things 
and I have permission to talk about our past, but it's easier just knowing that he's not staring at me while I talk about him. Um, you're making me nervous over there, bro. Everything good with that? Okay, good, good, good. So there have been days when this guy, my, my greatest villain, uh, he made my life miserable, uh, literally almost ruined my life at some point. Um, he's super controlling. Uh, he's jealous. He's lied about me. Uh, he he uh, carries on this, this facade oftentimes, like he's fake. He, he has this facade that he carries about himself. He, he gossips uh, all the time. He holds grudges. He gets angry way too quick. If I told you everything about him, you might not even believe it. Yet, from the outside, this guy looks pretty normal. From the outside, like everything about him is, is pretty much standard, you know, good guy, good person. But not everybody knows him like I do. Some of you might even question why he's in church, if he should be in church based on this. If I'm honest, as I confront him, part of me wants him out of my life, but I think, you know, he can change, and, and, and we're giving it a shot. We're, we're trying, and I'm asking you guys to be a part of this, and, and that change is going to require confrontation because that's oftentimes what has to happen. It's not just me, you know him talking about me and then me talking about him and this, this going back and forth, it's got to happen, this, this, this in the room meeting. And so I said, you know what, let's do it in the room on a Sunday morning. And so you guys are here. Are you guys okay with that? Everybody good with that? Okay. I don't know if you have people like this in your own life. These people that have done you wrong and somehow they don't even know that they've done it, maybe some of them, until you've talked to them about it, maybe they don't even realize it. They go through life like acting like nothing's the matter, um, but this is not one of those guys. He knows what he is. He knows what he's done, so let's bring him out. And, and just to make him feel welcome, will you give him a round of applause as Mikey, you bring him out? Come on, give him a round of applause. He's, a, he's all right. There he is. I see him. You guys see him? He needs to fix his hair a little bit. It looks like it got out of, out of, out of place in the first service. There he is. And there I am. My greatest villain. Romans chapter 7 and Romans chapter 8 are, are my, my primary text today. And we're going to talk about our greatest villains, which I truly believe our greatest villain oftentimes are ourselves. Would you agree with that? If you don't agree with that, some of you are already saying yes, but if you don't agree with that, give me a few minutes to tell you why I think it is, why they are. Romans chapter 7, the Apostle Paul, he starts by talking about how the law, which is in reference to the Word of God, is a revealer. And the Word of God has this way of, of opening our eyes to things and seeing things that maybe otherwise we cannot often see. And he says in Romans 7, verse 7, is the law sinful? Certainly not. Nevertheless, I would have not known what sin was had it not been for the law. I would have not known what uh, sin was had it not been for the law. He uses the example of coveting and, and how when the law revealed the sin, it says sin sees that opportunity. But sin seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment produced in him every kind of coveting. 
For apart from the law, sin was dead. In other words, like it wasn't even recognized. You didn't even know that sin was an issue until the law began to reveal it. It wasn't even open to your, your eyes weren't even open to it until the law opened your eyes to it. And then all of a sudden, it seizes that opportunity to the place where you just can't stop. You, you can't even gain control of it. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever noticed that sin likes to seize opportunities at just the right time, or, or maybe it's wrong time, sin creeps in and it, it destroys people's lives, it destroys people's families, it destroys people's marriages. I was at the Hope Center Gala last night, and uh, they, they had a, a wonderful time, it was a fundraiser event and celebrating and, and, and you know, bringing uh, awareness to the Hope Center that we are a part of here at Renew Church, and, and they had this, this uh, one of the men that stood up and shared a powerful st- testimony of how God had changed his life. But the story started out with sin, as it always does. For Daniel, his sin was drugs, and and his sin was a drug overdose that led him to the hospital. Literally, he went into the hospital to recover from a drug overdose. He recovers, they, 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 they revive him, bring him back to life, and guess what he does while in the hospital? This is his story, not mine. While in the hospital, Daniel overdoses again. I don't even know how you can do that in the hospital, but I guess you can if you want it bad enough. He overdoses in the hospital, and the nurse goes to him and says, man, you don't know what we've done the last three days to try to keep you alive. That's what his sin was doing to him. Sin began just just in a little way, but then it began to take over his life. And now Daniel, eight months later, is a leader in the program. He's a leader in Hope Center, and uh, for eight months, he's been clean and sober. Isn't that awesome? Come on, let's give God praise. He's eight months sober. I don't know if he's in the room. I don't think he's in the room, right? He's, he's eight months sober, and he's about 60 pounds heavier, like stronger. There he is in the back. I see you, bro. Like when he came in, I thought this guy was like literally like he was about 120 pounds soaking wet and now he's like close to 200 pounds all built lean cut all of that like it's like wow I didn't even realize that's the same guy that that walked into the house uh, eight months ago but this is what sin does sin seizes opportunity sin sin goes after you in the way that you're more inclined to, to, to be taken advantage of for me it wouldn't be heroin for me, it wouldn't be fentanyl, but it would be something else. It would be lust. It would be uh, lying. It would be taking advantage of a situation that, that I could try to, to have the upper hand on. These are the things that, that sin does in me. It seizes the opportunity, and that's what it does in, in the Apostle Paul. I'm going to read from Romans 7, verse 13. It says, did that which is good, the law, then become death to me? By no means. Nevertheless, in order that sin might be recognized as sin, as sin, it used what is good to bring about my death, so that through the commandment, sin might become utterly sinful. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual. Paul's saying, I, I, the law, the, it, this is spiritual, but I am personally, I'm unspiritual. I'm sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do for what I want to do. I do not do, but what I hate I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot 
carry it out. Let me say that again. He says, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I, I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there in me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. So Paul is doing this major like uh, discourse on how sin is destroying his life. He's not pointing at anybody else. He's not calling anybody else out. He's talking about himself, and he's saying, man, this, this, this law at work in me is, is the law of the flesh. It's battling against the law of the Spirit, and it's trying to take me down. And in verse 24, he says, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? What a wretched man I am. I don't know if you've ever put yourself back in one of those moments where you caught yourself in a sin, where you, you did something and in, in, in the heat of it, you were just like, you know what, I don't care, I don't care, I don't care. And then when it's over, it's like, what a wretched man I am. I've been there. I know that feeling. I know that, that circumstance. I know what it's done and, and the, the, the harm that it's caused, not only to me, but others. And Paul's saying, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? I want you to get a few takeaways, and I'll come back to the text in just a few minutes, but let me, let me give you a few takeaways. Number one, my greatest villain is me. My greatest villain is me. It's, it's not your spouse. It's not your brother or sister, your neighbor or your boss. My greatest villain is me, and your greatest villain is you. It's, it's the one that is literally in your flesh trying to, he's trying to take you out. Mikey, can you remove my greatest villain this, this morning? First point is, is, my greatest villain is me. Second point is, is the law is my mirror. The law is my mirror. I, I, I love this in James chapter 1. James is the half-brother of Jesus. And uh, James says this in chapter 1, verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. How many of you are Bible students? You know, if you're a Bible student, that's wonderful, but are you a Bible applier? Are you actually applying the Word of God? Like, it's, there's this concept that, that is, has been used and taught. It's soap, study, observe, apply, and pray. So many are just, you know, doing the S. They're just studying. Or maybe it's so, they're just studying and observing. But soap is study, of observe, apply, and pray. Say, God, this is what your word says. I'm observing it. I'm, I'm, I'm taking it in. I'm, I'm thinking about it as it relates to me. I'm applying it to my life. And then I'm praying it into my life. I'm saying, God, help me to do these things. The law is my mirror. He says, don't listen to the word and deceive yourselves. Do what it says. says anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So, I mean, think about it for just a minute. If, if, if you were to walk up to the mirror this morning on your way to church 
and you saw that your hair was out of place or you saw that your, your shirt was not buttoned properly or your zipper was down or whatever the case, you had food in your teeth, you saw it in the mirror and you didn't do anything about it, what would that make you? That would make you ignorant. That would make you, you know, you ignored something that you knew you needed to fix, that you needed to adjust. This is the same thing that we do when we look into the law and when we look into the Word. When we look into the Word, we're looking into it to say, God, what is this saying about me? What is it saying about my life? And so we study it, we observe it, and then we say, God, what do you want to say to me from this, your Word? What do you want to do in me? Not, oh, this is good for that person, or this is good for, for, for new believers. No, what do you want to say as I apply this to my life? This is the same thing that James is talking about. This, this law is this, this mirror that helps us to see who we are. Because whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it. They will be blessed in what they do. So your greatest villain is you. The law is, is your mirror. It, it's helping you. It's, it's revealing the things that you need to change. Number three, Jesus is my greatest ally. Jesus is our greatest ally. Romans chapter 7, I, I stopped it at verse 24. He says, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Aren't you glad that there's a verse 25 following verse 24? He says, man, I am so wretched. I've made so many mistakes in my past, in my life. I'm a mess. Who will save me? And he says, thanks be to God for Jesus Christ our Lord who delivers us. Jesus is your greatest ally. Over the last few months, actually over the, just about the last year, uh, ever since my father passed away, I've, I've uh, started participating in the 12-step program. I want to talk about the 12-step program for a little bit. It, in and of themselves, 12 steps, they're good, but they're not great. If you know about AA or NA or some of these other uh, anonymous groups, uh, they're good, but they're not great. They're helpful, but they're not connected to the ultimate helper. That's Jesus. So after my dad died, I decided to go through the 12-step process, but I went through a program, a Christian program, and it's called Celebrate Recovery. It's a Christian 12-step program that, that we actually host here at, at Renew Church. And um, I just I want to share with you some of these steps. I'm going to share with you the first six, if I can, and then give you the six, I mean, the, the biblical comparisons to these six steps that are here. Here's, here's step number one in AANA but beyond any, any anonymous group that you would be in in a 12-step program. And then let me give you the biblical comparison. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over our addictions and our compulsive behaviors and that our lives had become unmanageable. Romans chapter 7 uh, is the biblical comparison to this. And, and we, we read this already, but I'll read it again. Paul says, I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. For I have the, power, the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. We admitted we were powerless over our addictions and compulsive behaviors and that our lives had become unmanageable. And that's what, that's what Paul is talking about. He's saying, man, nothing that is in me is good in my sinful nature because I, 
I have the desire to do what's good, but I cannot carry it out. That's the first step is admitting. The second step is, is in, in AA, it's we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Again, that's that, that universal uh, you know, power that they refer to, which we know as to be Jesus Christ and, 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 and God. In Philippians 2, it says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to His good purpose. It's not you. It's God in you to will and act according to His good purpose. Step number three in the 12 steps is, is we made a decision to turn our lives and our wills over to the care of God. We made this decision. It's a conscious decision. And this is what it says in Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. You have to make that decision to turn your will and your life over to the care of God. Paul is saying, do this. Make yourself a living sacrifice. Give, your, give of yourself and say, I am giving up me. I'm, I'm giving my will to you, O God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Step four, we made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. They say oftentimes, our, our leaders have told us, oftentimes this is where people drop out. This is where people quit. This is where people give up is in step four because it's this searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. It's that point in which you're, you're digging and you're digging even deeper than you, you thought. You're going layer by layer down from maybe five months to five years to 50 years to wherever it is to say, God, what is it? What's the root of my sin? What's the root of my addiction? What's the root of my struggle? And you do this searching and you, this, this fearless and moral inventory and, and you work with somebody to help you go through this in your life. Lamentations, the biblical comparison, it says, let us examine our ways and test them and let us return to the Lord. Let's, let's examine ourselves. Let's not just continue to act like everything's normal, everything's fine, it's, it's, it is what it is. It is. Let's make a fearless and searching inventory. Step five, we admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. We admitted it to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. James chapter 5, verse 16 says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other, so that you may be healed. It's, it's not that you have to go to a priest. You go to the great high priest, that's Jesus himself, and you take that to him and you say, God, I give this to you. But then you take it a step further and you say, hey, I, I've got a group of people, my brothers, my sisters in Christ, those that I'm walking with, those that I'm, I'm working with that are going to help me, that are going to encourage me, those that are going to hold up my arms and, and help me in my struggle and my sin. Confess your sin to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. Because what happens if you don't? If you hold it in, oftentimes what happens? You find yourself falling back into that same pattern, that same sin, that same relapse. Step six. We were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. James chapter four, the biblical comparison says, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will lift you up. If you're ready to remove the defects, if you're ready to take this stuff out, then you've got to humble yourself before God and say, God, 
begin to change me from the inside out. And when you do that, when you're willing to, when you humble yourself, I've seen it time and time again. The person that stays proud is humbled. But the person that will humble themselves, the Lord lifts them up. So, I want to remind you of, of the things that, that you need to take away today. Your greatest villain is you. The Word of God, it's your mirror. The law is your mirror. Jesus is, on, is your greatest ally. It, what a wretched man you are. Jesus is the one that can save you. He can, he can deliver you. And then the fourth and final thing is the sin seizes the opportunity, but the cross seizes sin. We know sin seizes the opportunity. We've seen it so many times. It's, it's in our moment of weakness. It's when nobody's looking. It's when nobody's going to know that that's when sin seizes the opportunity, as the Apostle Paul says. But the cross, the cross, it seizes sin. Because the good news is, the bad news is Romans 7. I encourage you to read Romans 7 and 8 this week. The bad news is Romans 7. The good news is Romans 8. And this is what it says. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh... God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Verse 5, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the spirit desires. I, I love this and, and I, I, I read this word. It's one of my words. I don't know why. It's just a word that that comes to me a lot, but it's this, this word mindset. And I see it in Romans 8, but I see it together. I see this concept of, of the mindset. And he says, those who live according to the, the flesh have their mindset on the flesh, on what the flesh desires. But those who live according to the Spirit have their mindset on what the Spirit desires. It is truly a mindset. It really is about what you're going to set your mind on. It's, it's what you're going to allow into your brain, which then goes into the rest of your body. Those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. That's the good news. Romans 7 is the bad news. Romans 7, we live by the flesh. We have this flesh. What a wretched man I am. I'm my biggest enemy. I'm my greatest villain. All these things. But the good news, the great news is the mind governed by the flesh is death. But the good news is the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Do you have that today? Do you have that kind of life and peace today? Or is it the flesh that's stressing you out? The things going on around you, the things in, in the physical that you're just like, man, I'm about to give up on this. You've got to set your mind on the spirit because the spirit is life and peace while the flesh is death. I'm going to skip to verse 11. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. What a verse. What a promise. Let me read it again. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, 
Do you have that spirit living in you? If, if it is, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. You know that life, that's eternal life. That's a life beyond the mess. It's a life beyond the flesh. It's a life beyond this hundred years or whatever God gives you and me. This, this life in the spirit is immortal. It's eternal. It goes beyond this dying flesh that we're dealing with every day. And that's good news for each and every single one of you. You see, um, if you're living according to the Spirit, Christ lives in you. When God looks at you, He doesn't see your sin. He sees Jesus. Amen? When He looks at your life, He doesn't see your sin. He sees Jesus. Romans 8 verse 3 says, For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. In other words, the, the, the wages of our sin is death. But Jesus came as a sin offering for our death. He died for us. And so condemned sin in the flesh. As we wrap up this morning, I want you to understand what the cross has done. The cross saves. Sin seizes, but the cross saves. Sin takes away, but the cross gives life. First thing the cross did was, was to save us, but the second thing the cross did was to set us free. We're not just saved. We're not just saved from hell. We're not just saved from eternity. We're, we're, we're set free from our here and now. We're saved from the, the struggle of, of life. Now, that doesn't mean that we're not going to still face struggles, but we're not going to face them on our own. God's going to help us with these things. We don't have to continue to live in the old patterns of the flesh that Paul was talking about. Instead, we can live a new life in Christ. Renew Church was based on a verse that's on your wristbands if you have one. If you don't, get one on your way out. 2 Corinthians 5.17 If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone. It doesn't say the old is underneath. It doesn't say the old is, is, is saving up you know, for later. It says the old is gone. The new is here. Christ's death sets us free from sin. But we have to choose it. And so many people continue to live in the old patterns. But it's like James said. It's, it's like looking in a mirror and immediately forgetting what you look like. It's immediately forgetting the things that you know you need to change and just going on with your everyday routines. And all you're doing is letting the villain win. All you're doing is letting the, 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 the villain run your life. Who's in control? Who are you letting lead? This morning I was doing some of my own personal reading and, and just study before service, and it's not in the sermon, but it's Paul's other writing to the church at Ephesus. And in Ephesians 4, he talks about the old man. Ephesians 4.22, he talks about this idea of, of you've got you've, you've to kick out that old man. And I think that, that goes for us here. You, 
you can't just continue to say, well, I'm saved, but I want to be the old man saved. No, no, no. You've got to like, like give that guy an eviction notice. You know, you've got to tell him he's not welcome here anymore. See, God doesn't just want to save you. He wants to set you free. But it's up to you if you're going to do that. It's up to you if you're, you're willing to, to confront your, your villain, confront your, yourself and say, God, come in. Spirit of God, live in me, move in me, change me, transform me. Make me that new creation that you can do, that only you can do in my life. Would you stand with me this morning? Romans 8 says, For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me. Who is in control? Who's leading your life? Is it, is it that, that battle that, that Paul's talking about? The evil doing it? Or is it, I'm going to let the Spirit of God do a work inside of me? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? And as I do almost every service, because I never know if this is the last one and the last opportunity, but if God's speaking to you personally, the first step is salvation. The first work is a, a work of salvation that saves you. Because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, He forgives you. He, Jesus uh, steps in as, as the, the payment for your sin. He's the substitute for you. And when He does that, God doesn't see you. He sees Jesus when He looks at you. And He doesn't, He, he's, he smiles. If God needs to do a work in your life, if He needs to do a saving work in your life, with your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you'd say, Pastor, today I need to make a commitment, and maybe it's a recommitment, brand new commitment or something of just a recommitment to Jesus. If that's you today, if you would say, Pastor, pray for me today, I want to surrender my life to Jesus and ask Him to forgive me of my sins. If that's you, just lift your hand right where you're at. I see your hand over here on my left. Anybody else? Anybody else? If online, God's speaking to you and you're saying, man, I'm deciding today to follow Jesus. I surrender my life. Just type that in the chat. Make that decision. It's a simple prayer that goes like this, and I'm going to encourage everybody in the room to pray this out loud with me. Those that are followers of Jesus, I, I encourage you to pray it right alongside me. And for those of you that are making a brand new commitment or a recommitment, just pray this prayer and believe it in your heart. It goes like this. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for me. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Make me brand new. Today, I declare you my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. If you made a decision today, we want to help you take next steps. We want to make sure that you fill out that connection card that you drop it in a bucket, that you stop by the tent, that you fill out that information so that we can help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. But maybe, just maybe, it's not just the, the, the work of salvation that needs to happen in somebody's life, it's the work of sanctification. It's the work of 
God doing something in you to set you free from that little little thing that we've been talking about. Because you you know you're saved, you know you've you've been forgiven of your sins, but there's that little part of your life that you haven't given to him. I'm not gonna tarry long on this, but if that's you today and you say, Pastor, pray for me. Today I'm surrendering that to Jesus. Would you be so bold as to lift your hand and say, I'm surrendering it to Jesus right here, right now? Praise God. Praise God. Anybody else so bold? Praise God. Praise God. Anybody else? Surrender it to Jesus. God, you know, you know hands, but you also know hearts. Each and every person in the room, within the sound of my voice, those online, God, do a sanctifying work from the top of their head to the sole of their feet. Begin to transform them so that they're no longer living according to the flesh, but they're walking in step with the Spirit. Thank you, O oh God, for this. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's, amen. Let's sing together.
believe those lyrics can I hear you just give some praise this morning amen you may be seated but once again welcome and good morning to renew church my name is pastor Mikey and let's let's be honest for just a second when pastor Trevor was talking about bringing out his biggest villain did some of you guys think that he was referring to me shame on you okay shame on you. I make fun of him, but I love him. I'm not his villain, okay? But I'm just going to share some things, guys, some things that we've got going on here at Renew Church. Today, we actually have, immediately after the service, Growth Track. Now, what is Growth Track? Growth Track is for anybody who is like me. You may be below average height and looking to grow. No, that's not with Growth Track is what growth track is it's an opportunity for you to kind of see a little bit behind the scenes of what we do here 
at Renew Church uh, where we give our, our mission, our vision, our values, where you really get to see who we are, what we believe. Um, and those are things that we don't really have a ton of time to talk about on, on a normal Sunday. And so even if you have any questions about our church, things that maybe you've been um, interested or, or just anything that you may have, World Track is the opportunity to do that. I recommend it for everybody. And today's a little bit different because we're going to be doing the first part of World Track, which is kind of just letting you guys know who we are, what we do, and all of those ins and outs. And then the second part is all about you. The second part, you're going to take a personality profile. You're going to uh, do a spiritual gifts assessment. And all it's going to pretty much reveal is some things about your personality, but also some gifts and some talents that God has, has given you that maybe you weren't even aware of. And that in and of itself is a great value too, because we get to see, oh man, like God has created me this way and given me these certain things. And let me consider how I can use these things, how I can impact the people in my life, maybe even impact my church. And today's specifically a little bit different too, because we're going to be having a meal. We're going to be having paella. So even if you just come for the lunch, come and hang out with us. It's going to be in the connections room over here to your right. And I promise you it'll be worth your time. Also, we are still uh, taking in um, non-perishables and goods for those affected by Hurricane Ian. So you can still bring them, drop them off here at church, and we will get them sent over. Uh, we just, you know, and even if you know somebody, a neighbor, a cousin, somebody who is looking for opportunities on how they can help with those affected by Hurricane Ian, let them know that we are accepting things. Let them know that we would have them, and, and we would be uh, super appreciative of that. Um, lastly, if you'd like to give to Renew Church, I just want to let you know that there's a few ways that you can do that. The first way to do that is in person via the envelopes in the seat pocket in front of you. The next way to do that is online by visiting renew.miami forward slash giving. And the third and final way is to do it via text by texting give to 786-565-1165. Would you guys pray with me? Lord, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you for just the, the worship service and just being able to come into a place and, and, and hear about you and praise you and worship you and be able to see our brothers and sisters. And God, we thank you for your church, God. Um, Lord, we pray for the offering this morning. Pray that you would use it, God. Pray that you would bless it. Pray that, um, God, just the, the needs of this community and the needs of your people would be met uh, through the giving of, of tithes and offering, Lord. And I pray that these people would be blessed because of it, Father, that they would do it with a joyful heart, God. And, and that you would reveal yourself and, and show them a joy that only you can give, God. So we love you, God. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, everybody. See you next week.